Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was ain't open that mouth. Could it be something that's open that mouth? If it's ain't something, we're going out. And it's something that's something out. And now from an undisclosed location, you are now tuned in to the Xander Effect with host Xander Dane. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Xander Effect. I'm your host, Xander Dames, along with my lovely co-host and assistant. No, I'm just playing. I, I didn't mean to say assistant. My bad. <laughs> Actor Jeremy Miller. Jeremy, how you doing, buddy? I hate you, and I'm <laughs> really, really unhappy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to have you here too. So, so how's your day going, man? Um, hey, my day's going just fine. It's uh, getting things started around here and uh, ready to get talking some football, some video games, some entertainment, and let's uh, let's get it started. Nice. Well, and talking about an entertainment news, Kanye West decides to go ahead and you know he he's been on the news lately as of late, and he's been talking about he's been talking about basically how uh you know uh, uh there's he's trying to push for black ownership uh in enterprise and you know pretty much he's having an issue with a lot of uh you know black artists not owning their masters to you know their songs or not owning a lot of things and or, you know in the music industry and, but he also has included uh the nba as well basically talk is talking about how the nba are like in a bubble while black lives matters is is on their backs and everything uh he also he of course he took to twitter like he always does and decides to go on a major twitter rant rant uh including you know talking about nick cannon saying quote we sat back and watched nick cannon get canceled and we go to play ball in a bubble with black lives matter on our backs brothers let's stand together for real there is no nba or music industry without black people fair contracts matter ownership matters so he's really he, he took it to the next level however uh today by posting a video of his grant the grammy award one of the grammy awards that he won and putting it in the toilet while he's peeing on it or at least it looks like somebody's peeing on it we really don't know it could be simulated we don't know but that's a pretty bold statement for such a prestigious award such as the Grammys. Um, I would agree if it was anybody but him. I'm, I'm sorry. It's the guy's a whack job. This is the thing. As, as you started that off, as you're talking and what he's the, the points he's making about you know, black ownership and not not being in the positions of power and needing to fight for these things. Those are all admirable things. Those are absolutely things that need to be addressed, need to be talked about, need to be need. I mean, all of that is shit that needs to be focused on. Yeah. And then he goes off onto all these other random, crazy tangents and I'm sorry, but it makes it very hard to take him seriously. I mean, you're starting to see more and more black owners in the NBA. You know, they're part of partnership teams and things like that, but you are starting to see it more and more and more. Mm -hmm. It's happening. Now, what's not going to happen is that the players are going to get to dictate the terms to all of these owners and say, we want more of this. I mean, that's not how this works. That's why they have collective bargaining agreements. That's why they have their unions who go and do the negotiations. That's why we end up with lockouts and all this crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the name of the game. 
it's and not. It's, it's like that in every industry. I mean, we were just talking about it. Mm-hmm. You said, you know, Taylor uh, Taylor Swift is upset because she doesn't own her original masters. Yeah, that's very common for artists starting out. Yeah. Yes. Now, proportionally speaking, over the years, historically speaking, black musicians were taken advantage of much more in that way, especially mm-hmm. back in the day. I mean, that's that's just the truth. You had you had old white guys ripping off young black musicians owning all their music stealing everything from them that was incredibly common i would say nowadays just with my familiarity with the industry i'd say that happens to all young and starting out artists now yeah i mean it's that and that's the thing is that i was you know i I was talking about this how we all have to pay our dues every artist starting out you all have to pay your dues you don't start off in corporate america as the president and ceo of a company you have to start off in the mailroom in the music industry pretty much your first you know few albums or whatever your first year or whatever until you start becoming recognized and becoming big you have to go ahead and eat it you have no choice because nobody knows you it's either that or you go the independent route which you know will get you will will pretty much have you be in control of everything but it will it'll it's a longer process Some a people, much longer process yeah. and it takes a lot longer to get noticed 99.9% of the time and that's even if you get noticed exactly that, that's the other problem that's even if so a lot of these new artists that have a diva mentality you know it's they, they need to understand that this this isn't this isn't your this isn't yours to be to act this way you have to understand that you have to pay your dues you got no choice in it and i blame bill gates well who doesn't well yeah except <laughs> that's not what i meant <laughs> oh about this you mean yes <laughs> you see we've been told ever since bill created one of the greatest fortunes in the history of the world that hey look at him he dropped out of harvard started his own company started from the top and you know built this giant out of it that's not reality for 99.9 percent of the world that's one individual one individual in history you know i mean i mean you also got mark zuckerberg that also did the same as well but i mean you know judging from his track record he kind of screwed a couple of people getting there too so well let's we all know so did bill bill was as cutthroat as they come he may be a philanthropist now but in his younger business days bill slit your throat as quick as anything in a business deal Mm -hmm. so i mean he was well known for it um but i we've been told in this country that this is you know anybody can do this anybody can do this everybody should be striving for this and that's just not the reality oh and hey and unicorns exist too well hey let's take it to the acting (laughs) thing man i've told you i know one unicorn of all the people in this industry and all my friends who've come out to LA to try and make it, I know one unicorn. Yeah. One guy. We all know. Yeah. James Marsden. Mm -hmm. You know, he moved out from Oklahoma, packed everything he could into his car, moved out, came and lived in my back house for a while and had a show within six months and a film and another TV show. I mean, it literally clicked from the get-go. And that's one guy in my 40 years of being in this industry. 
And dude, I mean, that's not he's he's not the only one. What about the kid that played John Connor on in Terminator 2? I mean, he didn't even he didn't even like he he wasn't even uh he wasn't even an actor per se. I mean, the producer just saw him and said, "Hey, I like your look. I want you to be John Connor." Boom. I mean, that those types of situations, they don't happen all the time. It's well, very rare. It's incredibly rare and talking about that was edward furlong right yeah edward furlong yeah Yeah. talking about him i mean unfortunately look where his career went though he got this good part he did turn it into a few things but again this was never what he really wanted to do and he had a lot of issues with that and his career just never really went anywhere after that you know he he had a lot of struggles outside of the industry and like i said it's james is that real unicorn because it's continued he's actually continued to build on that immediate stardom he found and you know a lot of people may get that one quick chance out of nowhere but very few are able to turn that into you know a lifelong successful career and that's and that's so true i mean you you have so many people that come out here and you know they say they pay their dues do they really possibly but unfortunately they they don't get very far with it because that's just the way the industry is a lot of people come out here with that whole hollywood you know dream that you see on television which by the way tv's not real okay it's not real it's 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 not real okay (laughs) i don't know how i can freaking stress that um and it's reality tv you're right (laughs) right (laughs) to a point um and uh it's It's just not real dude seriously and and you know they see it they do it and then they go back to where they came from they go back to their own to their own hometown sometimes you know a dejected failure uh they go ahead and they start you know their lives you know they said well i tried and i failed trying to start something different because i'm older now uh the industry won't even look at me blah 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 blah. i'm done you know they they give up so and that that happens a lot i mean la is seriously a revolving door for a lot of these for a lot of these uh for a lot of these you know, inspiring entertainers. Yes, I because I can't call them actors. I really can't because I mean, you know, uh, they're aspiring entertainers and they can't. They they really, you know, it's just a revolving door for them. You don't get many opportunities, and when you finally do, you don't go ahead and become a diva. And if, and if you do become a diva, guess what happens? Bye. You go bye bye very quickly. Very quickly. So it's it's one of those things where like a lot of these people now that they have the power. That's when they start to complain. It's like, dude, you're making millions. Stop effing complaining. You have any idea how incredibly privileged you are to be in the position that you're at? Why don't you use what you're trying to to point out there? Because he's trying to go ahead and make this a race thing. He's trying to jump on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon. They're talking about, you know, racial injustice. Like as far as police brutality, as far as, you know, black people getting murdered on the streets. That's what they're talking about when it comes to Black Lives Matter. Okay? Not about, oh, well, I wanna own my my masters because, you know, yeah. Come on, dude. Get the He's oh. he's missing the point. And as I said, those things are all you know, admirable and and goals that should be, you know, things we should all be working for in those industries. I mean, 
everybody, I mean, we all know if you look at uh, corporate America, if you look at entertainment, if you look at production, if you look at all of that, for the most part, the top level network jobs, the top executive jobs, the disparity, you know, disparity in executives of, of color, although getting better, is still highly, highly disproportionate. Um, and if you look at the stats in True. almost every industry, it's still highly disproportionate at the highest level of the the highest executive levels. So, yeah, those are things that need to change. Those are things we can't sit back and say, oh, see, it, you know, everything's fine now. We're all we're all getting along. But we're you talking know, about but we're talking about like specifically what he's talking about, about the music industry and stuff like that. It's like, dude, the music industry has, you know, it's not. not that's what that's why I say he's. It, he distracts from the real message. Mm -hmm. The things he's talking about are a part of the whole discussion. You know, it's a it's a it's a part of the discussion of the systematic racism that mm -hmm. does, in my opinion, exist in this country. Yes, and that's, I believe, what he's addressing is the need to break down those things. But again, in his own Kanye way, he misses the mark completely and goes off on his own tangent as he always do but, it, but then again it wouldn't be Kanye if he didn't <laughs> <laughs> like I said man what was it two days ago he just came out and said he basically believes he's the reincarnation of Moses so well yeah in other entertainment news we'll leave it at that in other entertainment news um jason momoa is basically uh backing his co-star his justice league co-star ray fisher ray fisher played uh cyborg as jason momoa played aquaman in uh the justice league movie and apparently uh ray fisher went public by saying that he was being mistreated uh, by by Joss Whedon and producers uh, Jop Johns and John Berg, uh, they um, apparently they they had unprofessional behavior on set, and uh, it looks like Jason Momoa was the first person to to actually back Ray Fisher uh, in his in his uh, complaints against uh, these these gentlemen. And uh, and they're asking for Warner Brothers to do a full investigation on what happened on Justice League, like what exactly happened. Uh, so, like, they're they're basically saying that they were being mistreated. There was uh, Joss Whedon was was it was just not a toxic. Uh, it was a toxic set toxic set and uh jason went on instagram and he said quote this shit has to stop and needs to be looked at at uh at at ray fisher uh at ray fisher's uh instagram tag uh and everyone else who experienced what happened under the watch of at wb pictures needs proper investigation so that's what's going that's what's happening right now at this time uh it's it's not look it's it you know they're not too happy with with uh, what went on there. Uh, they actually preferred that uh, that uh, that the original director uh, stayed behind, uh, Zack Snyder, and uh, they were happier with him. And apparently, it seems like that's that's the general consensus because it looks like Justice League would have been better off with Zack Snyder at the helm, and. Um, 
we're gonna find out actually with this with the Snyder cut that's coming out next year, and you know the the coloring of the images look better. Everything looks better. So because they were they start uh, from what I read here and there, all the toxicity that happened on set started right after Snyder left, and Snyder left for personal reasons. He had a death in the family. He was he had to go ahead and deal with a lot of personal issues that he had going on. So they brought in Joss Whedon, and that ruined the movie apparently from what many people are saying or from what reports are saying that pretty much ruined the atmosphere of the movie the 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 energy of the movie it ruined everything uh and looks like looks like it's it's true because you know again you got the actors that are complaining about it i first of all god bless jason momoa for standing up and saying something uh too often the big names in these type of productions are too worried about protecting what they got and they won't speak up and say anything. So uh, God bless him for doing that because that's really awesome of him to back up his co-star and address a very serious problem in Hollywood. Um, it's definitely not as rampant, I think, as some people think, but you definitely have certain directors and producers and actors as well that have reputations for creating a toxic set and for whatever reason whether it be a sexually toxic set or racially toxic or otherwise these people have a res reputation and it's well known in hollywood and yet you know hollywood doesn't care for the most part until they're forced to as long as they're making money they don't give a damn so i like this i like the fact that they are you know coming to warner brothers and trying to pressure them to do the right thing um this this stuff does go on way too often in hollywood there are way too many stories about you know sexual harassment by directors and producers um mm -hmm. you know as you said racial discrimination all sorts of things creating a toxicity that you know we still talk about to this day in the industry and yet nothing's done about it it never changes these people just keep getting handed multi-mega million dollar you know films so yeah something's got to change people have to start looking at this and to have somebody with the star power of Jason Momoa standing up to back one of his lesser known, you know, colleagues is really, really cool and hopefully will draw a little bit of change, you know, force them to, like you said, investigate it and, and see what really was going on. And the post that uh, Jason Momoa actually put on his Instagram actually went on because what happened was that I, I guess Warner Brothers was trying to change the subject or distract from uh, Fisher's allegations by posting something having to do with uh, saying that Jason Momoa was going to voice the, the, the character Frosty the Snowman in an upcoming film by Berg and Johns. And Momoa got pissed. He got pissed about that whole situation, basically saying that it was a fake. Uh, he went on that same post and continued on to say, quote, I just think it's effed up that people released a fake Frosty announcement without my permission to try to distract from Ray Fisher speaking up about the shitty way we were treated on Justice League reshoots. Serious stuff went down. It needs to be investigated and people need to be held accountable. So, I mean... This is, a, I think, this is a move that that most like big uh, studios decide to do to try to distract from the real from the real issues. I'm assuming. 
I, I guarantee you the big studios do this all the time. Uh, they have their own PR departments. They know how to play the game and every, the name of the game and whether it's politics or entertainment is spin. It's how are you going to spin it? And that's what they do. They distract. They try and change the subject. If they can't change the subject, they're going to try and spin it in another direction so that you don't view it in the same way. <laughs> And Ray Fisher, I mean, he went on Twitter, actually, this this week. Uh, he went on to say, quote, To date, the independent firm hired by at WB Pictures has conveniently avoided contacting key witnesses who gave damning statements to WBHR. They've also started interviews with and have since ghosted witnesses that have implicated former and current top-level executives. Uh, others, including an implicated individual that called me to apologize have already been interviewed we will not let any investigator cherry pick interviewees that best suit at wb pictures false narrative and scapegoating efforts all with stories will be heard they're really really pushing they're not gonna let a studio get away with this this time i mean like they're really pushing hard for this. Well, let me say this. Um, Jason Momoa might not be the guy they want to screw around with this song. Oh, no. This is this is, this is is Ray Fisher. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, this is, this I, is I'm not, Well, that's awesome. But I, I, what I'm saying is Jason is not a person to walk away from a fight. Recently in Hawaii, the government was trying to put up these cell towers. Oh, yeah. I heard about on that. sacred Hawaiian land. And Jason was one of the protesters mm -hmm. standing in front of the bulldozers and was out there for weeks at a time. I believe a production he was working on actually got postponed because mm -hmm. he refused to leave. Yep. This is not a man who walks away from a fight. And if he's getting involved in backing Ray Fisher in all of this, I guarantee you something's going to come out of this. Oh, yeah. No, without a, without a doubt. And, you know, Momoa, like, I think, dude, I think the guy's the coolest dude ever. Like, seriously, I mean, I've, the first time I actually saw uh, Jason Momoa on TV was uh, watching Stargate Atlantis. I know that he came from Baywatch, um, but I didn't watch him on there. I actually started uh, watching his, his acting on uh, Stargate Atlantis. And uh, he's just a really cool actor. He's a really cool dude. Uh, by every, inter every interview I've seen with him, he seems very genuine, very down to earth, and like you said, just a really, really cool dude and uh, kind of guy you'd like to chill and have a beer with. Um, yeah, he seems awesome. I'm, I have a lot of respect for his his acting, and I mean, I really enjoy the parts he plays. So, no, he seems like an awesome guy, and I have even more respect for him now, you know, back in his colleague like this. And let's hope that they actually get some, you know, the justice is served one way or another. Uh, Just that, but up, but. <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Thank you for pointing that one out. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens soon enough. Hopefully, uh, they, you know, the right people are, 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 you know, are reprimanded. And, uh, you know, this serves as an example that you can't get away with treating people a certain way just because you're at a certain level, uh, you know, of a company. That's 
No, you don't. You don't. You don't do that. So it's been going on in every industry for way too long. But I can tell you from my own experiences, it's been going on in Hollywood forever. You know, you reach a certain level, as we've seen with um, I don't know Weinstein and all these others. Mm -hmm. When you reach a certain level of power and money and success in this business, people—not everyone, definitely not everyone—but you know, some people have a reputation for abusing that power and Hollywood has been notorious for that dating back to the golden age. Yep. And it's time to stop. This isn't the golden age anymore. <laughs> this is this is the platinum age. <laughs> this is the legal age. Yeah. <laughs> Put them. Thank you. <laughs> Looks like you got one of yours yourself there, Jeremy. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, well, again, well, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully uh, uh, we see some sort of progression in this type of, uh, you know, this type of um, situation. And in any type of types of situation like these, we see some change as well, because this is definitely the era of change in so many ways. So we'll see how that goes. In other entertainment news, man, I am excited the Mandalorian season two trailer came out yesterday <laughs> and my God, little Yoda, cutest little guy in the world. Love it. He's back again and looks like he's getting powerful as the seasons progress. He's getting even more powerful. Cute, man. I love little Yoda. Little Yoda is like my little, I, I, I want to keep him. I swear he's so cute. Um, but we got to see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know uh, new things that are going to be going on, including there were in in the trailer they talk about the Jedi Order and how they were the enemies of the Mandalorians. So we're def- it looks like we're definitely going to go ahead and uh, and see some Jedi action uh, from who we still don't know. There was a lot of uh, speculation earlier this year. That they were going to add uh, the Jedi that was in uh, in Star Wars, uh, uh, Clone Wars, the animated series and stuff like that. They're going to add that Jedi into the Mandalorian. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, but uh, it looks like uh, he's he has to be returning the child, you know, little baby Yoda, uh, to his home planet, and he's got he's got to go ahead and he's got to give them uh, give baby Yoda to the Jedi. Apparently, that's the, those are his new orders by the Mandalorian Order, um, and he 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 basically they call them enemy sorcerers. And in the trailer, he says to the to the to I guess to the Mandalorian Order, he says, "quote You expect me to search the galaxy and return this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers?" To which the Mandalorian Order reply in their coined quote, "This is the way." So, yeah, it's going to be a very awesome season two. Um, it comes, it, you know, it's, it's, it's airing in October, October 30th on Disney Plus. Man, I'm excited. I know you are. I'm dying to see it, too. I got to admit, I really enjoyed the first season. And, uh, yeah, I dig on Little Yoda, too. But, um, no, I, I really am looking forward to seeing where they go with it. And having a little Jedi action mixed in would be a nice uh, nice touch. I mean, it's seriously. Like, they, they already... Obviously, we've already seen Sith action. Because the Sith does, does definitely exist in The Mandalorian. Especially the one that's trying to get to Baby Yoda. I mean, 
you know, the the Sith, they've been a pain in the ass all the time, you know, but, you know, you can't have Star Wars without the Sith. That's for damn sure. So, I mean, we've seen Sith action. We want to see some Jedi action. The dark does not exist without the light and so on and so forth. I mean, you're telling me, you know. Yes. See, I'm the light. You're the dark. Oh, 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 get the F out of here with that. <laughs> you, you know, to... I, I'm the I'm the angel. You're the oh. devil. Don't even get me started. Don't even don't even get me started, okay? You're the devil. Are you t- are you kidding me? You're 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 el diablo. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that corrupts me, okay? I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. Even the devil knew the Bible backwards and forwards, okay? <laughs> So, again, Mandalorian comes out October 30th on Disney+. Plus. Make sure you watch for that because it's going to be an awesome season, two. Looking forward to it. Sucks that the trailer was so short. I want to know more. I want to know more. But we're going to have to wait, you know, a little over a month to find out exactly what's going to happen with Mando and with the child, a.k.a. little baby Yoda. Coming up next is sports going to have a couple of things to chat about in sports, including Daniel Cormier possibly uh, or commenting on a role of being commentator, uh, commentator. I can't even say the word of being commentator, uh, being a, a commentator, actually, on in the WWE. That would be interesting to listen to. That's for damn sure. But first, here is Zakeda's Moonlight right here on The Xander Fact. Driving in the moonlight I'll be there by sunrise Driving in the moonlight 
what's up guys this is ariani celeste and you're watching the xander effect
was Afraid of Love by the Pawnhawks right here on the Xander Effect in sports. So, Jeremy, what would you think of Daniel Cormier being one of the commentators in WWE? I, that one really threw me for a little bit of a loop. Um, I've seen Cormier's interviews and things like that, and he's never come across to me as a character. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems to be very level-headed, and very. I'm not sure how good of a fit he would be. I, I haven't seen that side of him. I mean, the commentators tend to be a little outlandish and, you know, have been a part of that life for a long time. Um, maybe Cormier's a big fan and, and can do that. I don't know, but I haven't seen that from him in his interviews. Well, actually, it, it's funny because he actually is is a, a, a fan of it. And he went on and he told Sports Illustrated, quote, we've been talking. We've spoken to some of the people over there in very, very early conversations. WWE is a company I've watched and loved my entire life. Uh, Put me at the commentary table. Let me call the matches for six months and tell you how great these wrestlers are in the ring. I would love that. Uh, And I wouldn't be faking it. WWE is something I've loved my entire life. So he's definitely gung-ho about it. Hey, and I love that. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know he was a fan, and that's really cool. I mean, any fan would love a chance to, you know, be a part of WWE. Um, but like I said, I, I was just a little taken back by it because he was not a Conor McGregor type in mm-hmm. his interviews. He wasn't a loudmouth. He wasn't trying to be a big character. Well, and, except, except when he, whenever he was talking to John Jones, like, he, well, no, yeah. he, he hates John Jones. Yeah, I mean, they I'm really sorry. don't like there's each a, other. There's an actual hatred that that was not Joe. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. That was very genuine. <laughs> he genuinely hated John. As, uh, as far, you could tell that was that was not showmanship. So. Yeah. I mean, it just it's just so funny. Like whenever I, I loved watching their interviews, I loved watching their interviews because my God, the the animosity between them two was the most. It was just that. That's what I love about the UFC. That's the thing that I relish about the UFC is that how some of these guys they genuinely hate each other. So, but you know what? Sometimes, sometimes it kind of it's 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 anticlimactic because you hear all the trash talk, you get all riled up, you get the hype for this fight, and then when it happens, you don't you want to see them just go at it with one another, just beat the crap out of each other because they just hate each other, and it turns out to be the opposite most most of the time. They well, they, they tend that's. To- one of the things with UFC and I'm not saying it's a negative but it is one of the things with UFC. It's a game plan. There is. A game plan is so crucial in in mixed martial arts. You can't allow emotions to dictate. You cannot. And the truth is because you're working in a shorter time frame your game plan has to be even more perfect. You don't have the amount of time you do in a 15 to you know, 12, 15 round boxing match to adjust your game plan, to adjust to what your opponent is doing. You know, you've got three rounds or five if it's a championship and that's it. So game plan is insanely important. Oh yeah. And, and that's the thing is that, I mean, even in martial arts, they always, they always teach us don't fight with emotion. I mean, you have to you have to have your emotions in check. So, regardless of the trash talk, it's almost like the real fight is verbal. 
that's that's what the real fight is it boils down to that the, the real fight is all verbal but when it comes time to be you know locked inside that cage you, you yeah you you use some emotion when you strike but you don't let it control the entire fight because that's when you make mistakes well the best don't <laughs> exactly yeah exactly exactly because that's exactly where you make mistakes i mean that's why i think that's why conor mcgregor you know like he's considered one of the best because he would trash talk an opponent like crazy they would get super emotional and that's when he owned them every single time well fighters like conor play that mental game so well you know that's connor had that ali ability to trash talk you into mistakes trash talk you enough into getting you out of your game plan out of your comfort zone and he had that ability you know the best trash talkers that's what they're really trying to do the best trash talkers don't really have animosity behind it they're using it as psychological warfare and that's what that that's actually again, that's what makes the fights more entertaining, but anticlimactic at the end. Mm-hmm. Because I'm just like, yeah, listen, they're gonna kick their no, they're not. They're they're not. They're 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 not. They're not. They're, they're not. Come on, hit them, hit them harder, hit them harder. That's why, truthfully, as much as I do, because you know, I mean, I've trained martial arts for years. As I've always I. been a fan. I love love MMA. Mm-hmm. But I was born and raised a boxing fan. And it will always be my favorite combat sport because, except for the rare Floyd Mayweather, who somehow achieved success by being the most most boring person I've ever seen. Well, well, you know, I mean, he always plays the he always plays defense. So (laughs) he's literally the most boring human being to watch fight that has ever lived. But beyond him, you have to mix it up, game plan or not you can't sit there and hold all day long there's no grappling you are forced to get in there and try and pound on your opponent no that's it's more action-packed to me and because i've watched it for so long even in the most brutal fights you still see why it's called the sweet science because that game plan is still always there but because of the nature of the sport you are forced to constantly be going at your opponent and I love the pace. I love, that's why boxing will always hold a special place in my heart and probably always be my top combat sport. True. I mean, and I'm and I bet you're looking forward to the Tyson fight, right? I, I actually got to admit that the Tyson Roy Jones fight is going to be fun to watch. But I really respect what Roy Jones came out this week and said. Uh, he gave a great interview and he basically said, "Look, I haven't forgotten who Mike Tyson was. I ain't stupid." <laughs> He's like, "This is the most powerful man that has ever put on gloves, and he still hits like a freight train." Mm-hmm. He said, "If there's anything, I made a mistake getting in the." with him (laughs) he said it flat out he said if there's anything i made a mistake getting in the ring with him at this age especially and they're in the very like you know i mean they're older now and i mean granted you know iron mike iron doesn't age apparently (laughs) like i said i'm a i'm not a big fan of these older fighters getting into the ring for many reasons i mean the detriment to the brain yeah, all they that get kind really of stuff hurt. they're more they're more fragile the older they get well it's it's just a fact and it's a brutal sport and again that's one of the reasons why mma is actually safer than boxing 
even though it's more brutal in some ways, the finishes are quicker. There's not as many accumulated punches to the head. And there's also there's also an age uh, there's also an age um, limit uh, in MMA. Like there's a certain age where well, I mean, because it's it's you know it's monitored by the Nevada Gaming Commission, and basically the NGC has a certain age limit of where when a fighter needs to like okay, you're at the age you can't fight anymore. You need to retire. They well, have to well, well, well. Let's let's hold on there. You're talking about the UFC and fighting in Nevada. They circumvent that all the time to bring back Ken Shamrock at 50 some odd years True. old to fight yeah. freaking Tito Ortiz or whatever. Well, that and was a, just, uh, and also Chuck Liddell. Chuck well, Liddell and that's what I'm saying, but they just, and then they take him out of country or out True. of state and get it licensed by, so they still do it. That's the thing. True. But <laughs> Roy Jones and Mike Tyson, I believe, are going to take this seriously. I believe they're going to get in and actually we will see a boxing match, not a couple of old guys, you know, grabbing onto each other and doing nothing. Yeah. Because they're old school. Well, their style is old school. That's what I mean. So I think they will take it seriously, train hard, and we'll get to see a good boxing match. I mean, we've seen we've seen videos of Tyson training, and I'm scared of the guy. <laughs> oh, he looks amazing. You know, I mean, he's like, like Roy Jones said, if anything, he might have made a mistake. But let's not forget, Roy Jones was one of the fastest, craftiest and hardest hitting lightweights or light heavyweights that has ever fought. True. So, I mean, he held titles in three different divisions. Might have been four. I think it was three. Honestly, he was crafty. He was slick. He was fast. So he's got a shot. You know, if he gets caught, I mean, Mike can still lay out a freight train so true true and i mean it's it's gonna be one hell of a fight um hopefully there's no ear biting this time around um <laughs> although i doubt it mike I mean, is I- well, from what i've heard mike is well medicated now i mean <laughs> through his own that's through his own admission you know he's seen doctors he's 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 gotten a lot of his issues under control so honestly i i think i would have wanted to watch uh another Holyfield Tyson fight again like you know have them do the rematch and do the fight the way it was supposed to be you know without the whole ear biting thing but I mean who knows if Holyfield wants to take that risk with Mike again (laughs) well this late I don't think so I mean I would bet absolutely not but you have to remember at the time Mike as as we never got to see Tyson Holyfield when it should have happened True. It you know it should have happened back when it was first scheduled, before Mike went away for his rape convictions. Now I'm mm-hmm. talking as a fan of boxing when we would have wanted to see that fight. Of course mm-hmm. he should have gone away for what he did. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but that was when that fight should have happened. When they finally got together and did fight, Holyfield beat his butt that first fight, plain and simple. Yeah. I mean, he handed it to him that whole first fight, and I well, knew it was going to that, happen. That's why That's why Tyson had to do something. I think Holyfield, to be honest with you, Holyfield was the only one that was able to to go up against Tyson and be able to beat him. Holyfield... At that, at that time, I agree. When yeah. he was... Now, again, had we seen that fight back in 91 or 2, whatever it was, before he went to prison... I can't say with the confidence I had mm-hmm. at that first fight that Holyfield would have won. Agreed. 
Tyson was at the top of his game. He hadn't lost step yet. I think he would have had a much better shot. I actually said the same thing. I'll be honest. With you. I actually said the same thing uh, when I saw the fight. I was like, I was like, this isn't the same Tyson I remember when no. he was. And I was a kid when I saw it, but I still remember. I was like watching the fight. I was like, Tyson, this isn't Iron Mike anymore. Like prison is supposed to harden you. It softened him to the point that he he wasn't able to go like he wasn't able to go up against Holyfield. And granted, it wasn't it wasn't uh, you know it, it had to do more with Holyfield still training. Tyson exactly. was in prison and Holyfield was still training, obviously. And Tyson still, wasn't because he was still in prison. fighting and still fighting exactly. regularly. And you know he so kept that himself had, sharp. That had that had a lot to do with Tyson not being able to beat him. Absolutely, uh, it's like practice makes perfect, and it made Holyfield perfect. And it it you know it it kind of it. Uh, it had the reverse effect, obviously, on Tyson. Tyson reverted backwards. He went backwards oh, it, instead of forwards. It absolutely did. And I could go off on a, a Tyson tangent for another half hour. I really could. Because Tyson, <laughs> we didn't get to see the best of Tyson, unfortunately. True. Because his trainer, Customato, died when he did. When Cust died, all of a sudden, all the other guys got into Mike's ear telling him how great he was and everything else. And Mike's style changed. What people forget is when Customato was teaching him, not only was he a wrecking ball who could knock you out and did knock most people out in the first 90 seconds, but he could box. His movement, his ability to jab and then go to the body, his head movement, his side to side, his lateral move, it was insane. Soon as Cuss died and he got all these other guys in his ear and he fired Teddy Atlas and he fired all these trainers he'd been working with forever, he started headhunting. Mm -hmm. He started believing, I'm the great Mike Tyson. All I got to do is hit him once. He quit boxing. Yep. You and saw it. You saw it in the in the fights oh, yeah. leading up to Buster Douglas. You saw how inferior his boxing had become. And we never, I mean, we honestly got gypped. Mike Tyson could have been, if Cuss had been able to stay with him longer, he could have been just the hands down greatest of all time. Yeah. I've never seen someone who could hit that hard move like him. And that's the thing is that, you know, like, that's what many people don't understand. A fighter is only as good as, their, as his trainers are. And Tyson had good chemistry with his trainers. That's what made him so great. Oh, that's, yeah, what made, that's, that's what made him even, an even more powerful boxer. Absolutely. The fact of the matter that he knew how to move. He knew where to hit, when to hit, and how to hit. Dude, um, he was a combination of Frazier and Ali. I mean, he could honestly move and slip. I mean, he was nowhere as slippery as Ali, but I'm saying he could move like that. Yet he hit like Frazier and Foreman. And you know, that's, and that's what counted, and that's what counted. And unfortunately, like you said, he didn't have the right training. He didn't have anybody that he needed. He thought he could just with the hit power was enough. It's not enough. You have to have the right trainer to tell you when to hit, you know, how to move, etc. And it just 
man i i just it was a very it was a it was a tragedy but hopefully uh you know i mean years have passed he's gotten the the right trainers on his back now uh again this is just an exhibition fight anyway it's nothing for for a title or anything like that which is going to be very enjoyable to boxing fans everywhere boxing fans are going to love this i think every real boxing fan is really looking forward to seeing this and you know the competitive juices of these two guys are not going to let them go soft True. You know, I mean, they're they're not going to go into that ring thinking, oh, it's an exhibition. I'm just, you know, we're going to slough it a little bit. I mean, the competitive juices of two former great champions, you know, they're going to go in there and mix it up. Oh, totally. But honestly, we, we, man, I can't even talk to you. I can't bring one thing up. It's, you know, we go on a tangent. We're talking about Daniel Cormier going to the <laughs> WWE. We were talking about Daniel Cormier going to the WWE as a commentator. Somehow we got into the whole Tyson freaking thing. That was my fault, though, because I'm the one that I'm the one that brought it up. So, yeah, my bad on that. <laughs> in other in other sports news, entertainment news, we already did that. In other sports news, um, speaking of the WWE, Booker T actually tested positive for COVID-19 several weeks ago. Uh, he went on his podcast uh, and basically revealed that, quote, I got a call today from the CDC and they told me I have tested positive for coronavirus back at the end of June. I never got my results back. But they called me. Rest assured today uh, to tell. Uh, I'm sorry. Rest assured today to tell me that back at the end of June when I got tested that I tested positive. I've had three tests since then and they all came back negative. It just goes to show you how bad uh, that we really are with this system that we are working with. People are finding out if they have this or they don't. I'm living proof. Thank God that I'm still here. That's scary. It is terrifying. It is scary. And because he was asymptomatic, apparently. mm -hmm. Well, let me I'm going to take this on another tangent and bring this back to Daniel Cormier. And here we go. Apparently yesterday, Cormier came out and said that he tested positive in the lead up to the Stipe fight. Jesus. And I apparently didn't find out until recently. Wow. So I, I, I just read an art, an interview with Cormier talking about that, I believe, yesterday. That's just that's terrifying. That's so terrifying because, I mean, th- that's that just that that's just you don't know if you have it. I mean, some of these athletes, they don't know because, you know, they, they pretty much dismiss it as a regular common cold, whatever. Ah, you know, I don't have the other symptoms, so I must not have it. But you do. It's just as it just didn't hit you as hard as anybody else because you're like some of these athletes. They're in such great shape. They well, they they are very well taken care of that it doesn't hit them as hard. But if they're carriers and they give it to somebody that's not as fortunate as they are to be in such great health, they could kill somebody and not even know it until yep. later on. That's the scary thing. That's that's terrifying, man. And it just, I mean. Wow, Booker T, he found out at the end, you know, he found out that that he had it towards the end of July, or I'm sorry, end of June, and that means he's been walking around with it the entire time. two months, yeah. Like, that is freaking, like, terrifying. How? Who knows how many people he, you know... Was in contact with, and... He he infected... Well, possibly. Possibly, yeah, possibly infected without even knowing it, because he didn't know... I mean, that's just, man, that's that's definitely something that 
needs to be fixed. That needs to be fixed right now because that's something that's you know I mean I mean that's an example of what's going on right now with these testing. It's an example of our entire medical system, man. We it's a very broken system. I'm not going to harp on any one thing, but you know the fact is it's it's you go anywhere else in the world as so many other countries and they have functioning and I'm not talking social Medicare or anything like that. I'm just talking health services. They have functioning health services. Things are being taken care of. You're not getting this crap that should not be slipping through the cracks, slipping through the cracks all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have a very broken system and something has to be done about it. Well, let's hope that something you know happens soon enough with what's going on because it's that's just you know if if booker t's like that imagine how many thousands or millions more are like him not getting the results and they just continue to you know pass this this around that's the reason why masks are so important because you don't know if you have it or if you don't Mm, so you and I have talked about this, man. That is the main reason that I am as precautious as I am, that I, why I wear a mask. It's not just, it is really not for my protection. It's for the protection of those around me. If, if I was responsible for someone's death with my negligence, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Agreed. Agreed. I don't think anybody would. I think I don't think anybody with good conscience would be able to to live with themselves knowing that they were the cause of someone else's death, a broken family, you know, because of that death, anything. I mean, that's just it's 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 consequences that go beyond just one person's death. It doesn't just affect one like that one person that died. It affects everybody else besides them, because that one person could have infected more. And it, it just it just keeps up. It, I can't even think about it. It's it's a domino effect. It's it's a horrifying domino effect. So let's just hope that they go ahead and get this under control very soon. Coming up next in video game news, Nintendo confirms it has new hardware planned, but offers very little, very few details according to IGN.com. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, here is Ali's heat wave right here on the Xander Effect.
Hey guys, this is Ian Jerry. Hey, this is Annalise Hoveda. Hey yo, this is Nightmare from Dirty Machine. Hi, this is Cambry Lovesey. Hey, this is Dovely. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening to the Xander Effect.
that was Paulina's Angel right here on the Xander Effect. In video game news, uh, so according to IGN.com, it seems that uh, Nintendo is confirming uh, that it's going to be having new hardware. Uh, hasn't given too many too much details about it, but it, you know it's no surprise. I mean, remember how I told you that you have all these uh, next gen consoles coming out. Where's Nintendo? Where's Nintendo? No, like Nintendo is you know uh, one of the top companies for family based type of games. So you wonder where where are they at with their new console with their next gen console, etc. Uh, apparently, they've been holding out. They've been uh, keeping a lot of their stuff a secret. And according to IGN.com, it says, "quote uh, This is for, uh, this is by uh, this article is by Jordan Oloman and Joe Screbbles of IGN.com. It says, "quote Nintendo has confirmed it has plans for a console beyond the Switch, which will follow the integrated hardware software approach uh, utilized in its previous consoles." And shocking no one, added that it will arrive within this century. <laughs> So they're not even really given a date. <laughs> okay. And, and it continues to say, uh, the details were found in the company's corporate management policy briefing for the current fiscal year. In it, you'll find a slide explaining Nintendo's future outlook. The slide alludes to the, to the next gaming system Nintendo plans to produce, which is said to arrive in 20XX. <laughs> That's what it said on the, on the website. This means fans can rest easy knowing that they'll get another Nintendo console this century. Phew! <laughs> That's what the article said. That's great. <laughs> I love that. A little tug-in-cheek, but I have oh. to say, that's one of the things I love about Nintendo. Uh -huh. They're a little cheeky. They like doing things like this. You know, they do tend to keep things close to the vest. Um, they don't give a lot of details about a lot of their hardware and stuff before they're ready to. You know, they don't play the game that Microsoft and, you know, Sony. Sony have gotten into, mm -hmm. you know, where it's, we're going to leak a little of this, we're going to leak a little of this, we're going to play chicken and see who can hold out the longest on price. And, the, mm -hmm. you know, they, Nintendo just refuses to play their game. And I, I love, I love it. It's kind of quirky and it's endearing to me. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny because Nintendo is, is their own, their own, their own style because they've been around for a lot longer obviously than than Sony PlayStation and Xbox. I mean, they know they know how to play this. I mean, their their only competitor when they first started was Sega. That was their only other competitor and they didn't even really bother to compete hardcore with them at all. No, and when I mean like you said when Nintendo first came out, they didn't even have Sega as a competitor. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did in Japan, they did anywhere else. But when Nintendo first came to the US, you got to remember, I, I played the first, first, first systems that hit the US. I got, because I was doing Growing Pains at the time, they brought a bunch of us in to play the Nintendo at what, this really? big... They, they had video game systems back in the 1800s? Yes. It, we, it was carved <laughs> on rock. It was like the Flintstones. There was that little bird in there, you know, tapping away. <laughs> they took a lot longer back then, but it was fun. Oh, the loading speed was a lot longer. <laughs> oh, man, it was brutal. <laughs> it... it it, it, I get, you totally gave me the visual of the bird. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not cracking up even more because I get the visual of the bird. <laughs> I saw it too. <laughs> He's going as fast as he can. Uh, this is no way to make a living. 
<laughs> oh my but, you know, really, they only had Atari who had already started falling apart at that point. Uh-huh. You know, Sega didn't try and compete in the U.S. until a few years after Nintendo had really made its name. Nintendo was well established by the time Sega tried to make its move into the United States. True, true. So, I mean, Nintendo was playing their own ball game from the beginning and have just kind of stuck to that. And you know what? It seems that they continue to they continue that trend to this day. They're still in their their very own ball game. They don't play the whole competitiveness because they have a fan base. Like Nintendo has its own fan base that and his their own loyal their own loyal uh, buyers that will continue to buy. And mainly it's because Nintendo did this. They they went the smart route. They their focus was more on child games. Like um, they focused on what was lacking in the market. They could have gone the route everybody else did and chase all the big titles that are bringing people in money. But all they would have been doing is fighting for a percentage of, you know, everybody else's share. No, they created their own, you know, their own market. They stuck with the smaller, you could call it, market and decided they were going to make that their own and no one has been able to touch them when it comes to family and child gaming true true and in terms of uh of details on their new console uh, the article continued to say quote in terms of concrete details there's little to go on other than the fact that nintendo will continue to use the current nintendo account system on the next console and plans to add more services linked to nintendo accounts over time to offer uh better value for users so Again, they're they're pretty much keeping a lot of their details, everything close to the chest. And we just got to wait and see exactly where they're going to go with this. I mean, you know, I'm not I, I stopped playing Nintendo years ago. Ever since, you know, Sony came out with their console with PlayStation, I started I switched over to PlayStation a long time ago. Um I love the I I do however, I did however uh purchase the the little Nintendo uh, game thing that has all, like a hundred of the original games in it, like you know, classic Punch yeah. Out. Yeah, exactly. The, the classic. Uh, I have uh, all the Super Mario Brothers. You know, I have Punch Out, Legend of Zelda, all stuff, and I play that from time to time because that's always fun to play. But uh, I didn't go. I, I never even bought the Super Nintendo. When it came out, I stuck. Well, I mean, mainly because you know, at the time, <laughs> at the time, my parents, my parents were already like kind of upset that I was already. They, they didn't want to buy me a Nintendo for that for the reason that you're already distracted as it is. We're gonna buy you a game console to make it worse. Well, yeah, <laughs> they were they, they weren't wrong about it, but it is what it is. I mean, I got addicted. I I have an addicted pers- addictive personality when it comes to video games, and they knew that. And they didn't want to go ahead and uh, give me something more to be addicted to. So they stopped at Nintendo. They didn't continue on with Super Nintendo. Although, although I got to tell you, my mom, she, whenever I played video games, she loved watching me play because she didn't know how to play it, but she loved watching me. She loved watching the stories of the games. And, uh... She, lo- she loved one game in particular in Nintendo called Crystallis. 
And it was a really entertaining game. She loved that one. She I remember it. Chris Dallas. Yeah, she loved it. She enjoyed it. So that was her favorite game. And she she would always ask, "What can you find that game? I mean, I love that game. It's so entertaining." And I, I was like, well, Ma, I got something better, you know. I mean, I, I, this is back when uh, when I had Xbox and I started playing Assassin's Creed, and I got her, her into Assassin's Creed. She loved that game too. She was like, wow, it's so real. It looks so real. I was like, I know, right? So yeah, I mean, eventually I brought my mom into the dark side, uh, but but indir- indirectly, not directly, because she did she she couldn't play it. So. <laughs> Right. <laughs> There'd be times when she watched me. She would watch me play, and she's like, "Okay, I gotta get out of here. You get me into this stupid thing again." And she would leave my my room because she wouldn't want to get into it. Hey, man, those are the games that have always always driven me more, and that's why I've gotten more into those RPG games and things like that. Um, those deep, deep stories. Uh, they're a lot back of fun. To, they're a lot of fun. I mean, the one that really got me originally was Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Honestly, they could have taken Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2 and actually turned those into real Star Wars canon. I mean, they were that good. There was so much detail in the stories. And although the gameplay was fun, I found myself binge playing it because I had to know what happened next. The story was that Mm -hmm. good. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And uh, they also had uh, the computer, the PC uh, uh, Star Wars games, too, where they actually filmed real people uh, doing like acting out parts and stuff like that for the for the game. And they also had really great storylines as well. I mean, these games were really well made. Uh, the story was really well made, and that's that's something that also the game could be crappy as all hell. The gameplay could be crappy as all hell, but if the storyline is good, you got me hooked. It's like I'll go ahead and play the crappy gameplay. I'll go ahead and do that because I want to know what happens next, you know, in the storyline. And one of the games that stands out to me that has a really good storyline is also Kingdom Hearts. I, I'm I'm so oh, Kingdom pissed. Hearts was a great game. Dude, I, I, I'm so pissed that I didn't get to finish the first one. And uh, I don't know why. Something happened. I, I just I didn't couldn't finish the first one. Uh, oh, that's right, because I borrowed the game from somebody and they wanted it back. I was like, no, I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> um, I didn't want to give it back. the good old days. Right? Then we had to go ahead and, hey, can I borrow your game? Can I borrow, hey, let me borrow that game for a little bit, you know? God, I remember those days where we used to, like, especially Nintendo, when we used to be like, hey, let me borrow Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Yeah, no one got to borrow my Punch-Out. That was that was that was the original game share. <laughs> that was the original game sharing right now. Literal game share. But um, dude, I still have a couple of games that I never gave back to, to a couple of people. I gotta admit that I have like this Tony Hawk game. I don't even know who that game belongs to. I found it uh, for PlayStation. I found it in like a rummage of stuff. I was like, who did I borrow this from? <laughs> There's just so many games that I forgot to give back. I mean, that's probably the reason why um, a lot of people didn't let me borrow their games. But that's beside the point. Um, going back to what you were talking about as far as uh, RPG games, um, in other video game news, you actually have uh, a game that you are that you have a little bit of a gripe with right now. Well, I have a gripe and a, uh, a kudos for them. I've gotten into my first mobile gaming game. Mm-hmm. And yes, I got 
hook, line, and sinkered by the great marketing team of Raid Shadow Legends that everybody is bombarded with on YouTube every five seconds. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a shot, and they hooked me. And it's a great game. It's very enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. But there is a large part of the community that is just very unhappy. They don't put a lot of effort into fixing the things that are wrong with the game. It seems that they are just very content to collect as much money as they can for as long as they can until this all blows up. That's what it seems like. You know, they have a great game that if they really took care of it and took care of the you know, getting cheaters out of the game and all the little things that are kind of going wrong with it. It could literally be the next World of Warcraft. It could go on 20, 25 years and turn them into wealthy, wealthy people. But it seems like they're taking the other business model, which is just, you know, reap as much as we can till it falls apart because they just don't seem interested in fixing it. This is a company that reputedly, this is, I don't have the numbers in front of me, makes somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 18 million dollars a month worldwide on this game and yet they released a new patch last night again for about the 10th patch in a row that is bugged all the hell and all night and all day today the game is not working properly if you're making that much money hire some damn developers who can do the job properly Amen to that. You know, what is the damn problem? Why mm-hmm. is every patch coming out as a problem? You people make money hand over fist. So there are a lot of complaints. There's a lot. There's too much individual issues to get into. But they need to start fixing these things. This is one of the most popular mobile games out there right now and if they did it right they could create a community that would support them right now they're creating a a community that is getting combative because they don't seem to care about their community Um, now i will give them a little kudos here there is a new feature in the game it's tag team arena where you uh, patch together three different teams of four champions and fight other players it's a pvp player versus player and there's a lot of cheating that's been going on in the regular arena which is one four-person team against another where basically people are they're not hacking the game but they're manipulating the statistics by having teammates lose you know a thousand games to them in an hour so that they can boost their stats to get better prizes. And there's all sorts of little shady manipulations going on that they haven't either cared enough to fix or just haven't had anybody smart enough to figure out how to fix. Mm. So that started going on in their new feature, Tag Team Arena. And thankfully, after about two months of this, they actually took away all the fraudulent points from the top scorers because their metrics showed that these people were racking up points much quicker than possible without somebody cheating for them. Yeah, they're hackers. And they took away all their fraudulent points. Good. So the people who actually won the prizes this time and actually were people who had really achieved it and put in the work. So it was good to see. It's about time. It's a very small drop in the bucket for the things that they need to address. But it was very nice to see Plarium, which is their development company, 
it was very nice to see them actually do something to fix what's wrong with the game. Hopefully they continue on this path and they keep making adjustments and keep fixing it and making this game better because they have a lot of people who will remain loyal to this game, including myself. But if they don't, there's a reason why people are getting very burned out on this game very quickly. And you know what? I mean, that that's that's actually like high praise for game developers because it, you you actually hit the nail right on the head. This this happens not just in in mobile apps, but I mean in every game. I mean, you have these game developers, the big ones like EA, for example, Madden. My God, that game's got so many glitches right now. And you mm-hmm. think that you think that such a big game like Madden would actually do very well as far as glitches go? No, it still has a lot of issues that they need to fix. It's like, dude, you're a multi-million dollar company that deals with a multi-billion dollar company. I mean, with the NFL. I mean, come on, get your get your act together. You know, you need to stop. You need to stop and review what's going on. I mean, you have you have issues that oh my god, dude, it's just in the gameplay itself. There are times where I would go ahead and throw the ball to a receiver, and somehow, somehow, the receiver wouldn't catch the ball, but it would go right through the receiver's body and into the defender's hands, causing an interception. I mean, you have issues like that happen all the time. Or you have suddenly uh, the other issue as well is in multiplayer when you're playing against somebody else. When you go for a field goal or for, uh, yeah, when just when you go for a field goal, it lags. There's a lagging problem that they still have not fixed when it comes to kicking the ball into the uprights. It, it just doesn't make any sense why there should be a lag. And, you know, could be internet connection whatever you want but they need to fix that too i mean they they make the they make the bar because there's a bar that goes up and then back down again you know you have to click it twice once Mm -hmm. it goes up for the power of the of the kick and one for when it comes back down to angle the kick correctly so that way it goes in the middle or at least goes into the uprights and it just you know there's a lag because uh, when you click the first time it doesn't compute that click right so yeah, it goes it makes, back down. It's like, what it, the hell, dude? You you completely you you miss the field goal, and that's makes, the game. Yeah, it makes no sense to me to have companies that are, are making the amounts of money that they make off of this, and yet they can't invest it in people who can either make it work right the first time or just not releasing it until it's done. You know, when did it become okay to release an unfinished product? I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's annoying because you pay a lot of money for this. And I mean, as far as Madden is concerned, you pay a lot of money for some of these games. I mean, another another issue that I have with Madden, and you know, I'm glad you brought this up because I have a little bit of a gripe that I wanted to talk about as well uh, involving Madden because somehow, sometimes I think that that EA needs players to continue to play this game. Maybe it gives them like, you know, maybe there's an algorithm that they get points off of or money off of or whatever, because I, I, I just can't for the life of me understand why there's certain, there's certain uh, modes in the game where you have to do certain, uh, certain things in order to progress. And you have, for example, let me give you an example. 
say one of the uh, one of the challenges is that you have to get three catches in order to progress to the next level. Well, in other challenges, the receiver always catches the ball. My receiver always catches the ball in other challenges. Why is it that when I get to this particular challenge, my receiver suddenly dropping the pass? It makes no sense. It's like, dude, be consistent. It's lazy programming. I'm sorry. I've never liked that. I do not. That's what I call cheat hardness or cheat difficulty. They don't understand how to make it more difficult in a organic manner. So they put things like that in there. It's it's just so frustrating because it's like, dude, my my receiver. I mean, and and that. Oh, here's the other really kicker to the whole thing. So a lot of the the, the players that you have, they have certain tiers. I have an 87. Say for example, I have an 87, Devontae Adams. You know, great wide receiver. He's going up against. Yeah, if only he didn't play for that team. You know easy (laughs) choke on that he goes up against he goes up against say for example uh the the ai they have their card is uh 76 76 uh cornerback that's covering the receiver i throw it how is it that this 76 speed can match with my 87 receiver speed and it matches it you know, goes right next to it and it matches it and it intercepts the ball. How is that possible? It doesn't make any sense. You have one receiver that supposedly is, you know, faster than than your than the AI's tiered receiver or uh, cornerback, and yet he's still able to keep up and he's still able to catch the ball and even intercept it. That makes no sense whatsoever. These are these are the examples of frustration that game players that you know that that loyal game players have to deal with with EA and it's just like dude seriously EA you need to stop doing that to your to your loyal fan base because it's not fair that you're doing this to them it frustrates them it is it's very frustrating for like you said especially loyal fans of those games and for it not to be I mean, again, to me, it's just lazy programming. They can't figure out how to get the AI to do the defense better. So all they do is let these people perform better than their stats should allow them to. That's just to me, that's lazy. Why couldn't you figure out a way to make the you know defense stronger? Why couldn't you make find a way to make them, you know, OK, well, this guy's faster. They're going to have to double team, which will create weaknesses in other places or, you know, any of the realistic things that would make it tougher. And I Instead, mean, they just do, you know, stuff like that, that, again, a guy who's got an 87 speed should not be running side by side with a guy who's 76. And here, here's, the, here's the thing. But, but here's the issue that I have as well, Jeremy, is the fact of the matter. You say it's lazy programming. I say they're just being dicks. And the reason I'm saying that is because uh, a lot of gamers have found methods to to be able to uh to pass or make certain plays that the ai can't keep up with in order to hack around the 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 bs that they that they put gamers through you know what madden does they go ahead and find a way to stop that as well so for example there is uh you know when it comes to when it comes to uh when it comes to, say, for example, uh, they have this thing called uh, Ultimate Solo Battles, and the AI 
They're, the, the AI's OBR is a lot less than mine, but yet they find ways to make their players overpowered. And that's annoying. So I go on YouTube to find ways, methods around this. So that way I could actually beat the AI and be able to get the, the prizes that are, that are within it. So last year, uh, last year they had this little hack where you start off in a field goal formation. And then the moment the AI goes ahead and uh, and uh, and audibles, you switch from your you audible the defense your defense has to audible as well uh, and change the play to punt safe man return, causing the AI to always throw to the right where your cornerback where where the defense's cornerback is is covering that receiver, causing an interception every single time. Okay, that's the hack. That's 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 pretty much the hack. That's that's the glitch. So that way you could go ahead and consistently keep on getting interceptions and be able to beat the the AI at its own game. Well, this year Madden decided to go ahead and fix that problem. So what happens is you try that same formation again. Not only does the AI not throw in that direction, but you don't have control of your cornerback in the past. You're able to get your cornerback and give, you know, give the the receiver space. You know, you're able to back up your cornerback because sometimes that receiver could be faster. They have a faster receiver. So you have to. And if you don't have a fast cornerback, you have to back him up. So that way he could keep up. Right. You got to keep the safety over there. to Exactly. Exactly. What Madden did this year, they gave you no control over that safety at all, at all. They, they have, I'm sorry, I kept on saying cornerback. It's actually the safety. Um, you're right. Um, they they gave that safety, you, you have no control over that safety whatsoever. None. That safety stays pinching the line the entire time. And you cannot control them whatsoever until, until, uh, until the ball is snapped. That's when you finally have control. By that time, that wide receiver is gone. And there's nothing you can do about it. So... There's a new one. There's a new hack routine to it. Uh, it's the same, pretty much the same thing, except now they do a punt eight-man safe. And what happens there is that your safety, you bring it backward. You go ahead and you have uh, you you have it go. If it, if it's on the if they're on the right side, because it's always the right side or the 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 offense's right side, you go ahead and you pull back. As soon as the ball is snapped, you pull back the safety and you run to the left, and then you circle back to the right, causing the wide receiver to throw to the right side, thinking that the that the right wide receiver is open. When in actuality, they're not. You go I back think- and boom, you pick off the ball, and dude, it's a freaking it's a touchdown. You've honestly just explained why I never, ever was able to get into Madden and why I preferred NCAA football always over Madden. It's just way too much complication with, oh, you got to run this guy around here to do this against the computer. I'm just like, what kind of BS is this to get this, around their th- programming? That's, that's what EA has freaking reduced the players to do because they just don't give us a chance. They make it harder. It's like, dude, what's even the point of playing this game if you're not going to give the players a chance to to upgrade their team the right way? If you're going to cheat, I'm going to cheat. That's just the way it's going to go. I mean, because that's just straight cheating. Like you said, it's it's pro, it's a program cheat. 
And that's not right that EA does this to their players. It's not fair. Uh, it's pretty weak. Yeah, I mean, that, that causes me not to go ahead and buy another Madden for a long time because it's like, dude, if you're going to keep on doing this, I'm just going to stop playing it. I'm not going to deal with this. That's In, in essence, that's kind of like the reason. That, that's kind of like why I like playing N- NBA 2K mm-hmm. because NBA 2K doesn't have all these cheats. It doesn't have all these, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and steal the ball. No, it doesn't have all that. You're able to play the game right. You're able to actually have fun playing that game. Madden, not so much. So that's my gripe for Madden. And that's the news in case you haven't heard it. Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for being here as usual, my friend. Glad to be here, brother. And, uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll be 2-0 at the end of this week. And uh, hopefully you won't be the opposite. That's the reason why I didn't bring up that in the sports section. There's a reason for that. In case none of you know what we're talking about, we're talking about fantasy football. Yes, did not do well, but uh, hopefully. But my, my Packers did very well, so I'm happy about yeah, that. You, you did have a silver lining. I really did. I really did. So, you know, your being a Packers fan. fantasy team took a dump, but you did get to see your boys win. So L- Let's not even bring – why, why got to bring up old stuff for You know, that was last week. We're done with that. We're done with that week. <laughs> again, thanks again for being here. Mr. Miller. You know you love me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for everybody else, remember, there's still a pandemic going on out there. Remember to wear your masks. Uh, Remember to wear your goggles. Remember to wear your gloves. Remember to be safe. Practice social distancing because it's still the virus is still very active and you got to watch yourselves. Uh, As far as people on the West Coast in the United States, West Coast, wear your masks because the air quality is just horrible right now because of the fires my thoughts go out to everybody that's uh that's being affected by the fires hopefully you're all staying safe again uh scott jacobs the cali kid scott jacobs is in one of those affected areas so brother you know our thoughts are with you and hopefully you're you're you know you're everybody's rebuilding and getting better with these fires and hopefully things will get better but uh, yeah, just just make sure that everybody stays safe. And remember, music always, always heals all. We'll see you next time. Yo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was ain't open them up. Yeah. 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 The Xander Effect is powered by 5050 Global Music Inc., Sony Music The Orchard, and BMG Bertelsmann, in association with Art19 Media.